everybody. Welcome to Terror Talk with Shannon and Kathy. Hello. Hello. Today on the show, a little bit later, we are going to continue our discussion of Gacy. But today it'll be more about the crimes he committed, arrests, things like that, and a little bit of a wrap up. But we'll get to that in a moment. I believe you have an event of some kind. I just just want to start talking about the season mm, and, right. and what's going on in September <laughs> around the country, kids. So exciting. All right. Starting September 9th, we have the Colorado Festival of Horror in Denver. Horror Hound Weekend in Cincinnati. Same weekend, September 9th. These are all, this is September 9th as well. Tidewater Horror Convention. Wow. Norfolk, Virginia. CT Horror Fest. In Connecticut, September 16th. Edmonton Expo, September 16th in Alberta, Canada. Midwest Monster Fest, September 16th in Illinois. Mm. Extremacon, September 17th and 18th in Missouri. Missouri. Haunted Screams Expo, Hampton Roads, Virginia. London Comic Con, September 17th. London, Ontario, Canada. Mm. Necronomicon, oh. Tampa, Florida, I've September seen, 23rd. I've read about that one. Yeah. September 23rd through 25th, SpaCon in Arizona, Hot Springs, Arizona. And SpaCon? Yeah, I don't know. What now? Hot Springs Convention Center. <laughs> okay. And then lastly, Monster Maniacon, September 30th through October 2nd in Hunt Valley, Maryland. So those are our September cons, folks. <laughs> September and then October. And I happen to know that in September, you and I are going to go to the Halloween Horror Nights. Oh, yeah. That's Horror Con anyway. is also October 1st in LA Convention Center. Right. And Son of Monster Palooza is in October, I believe. Yeah, I think and... that one's in Vegas. Oh, gotcha, gotcha, yeah, gotcha. But, Hor- but Horror Con is actually LA. Oh, nice. Right on. Yeah. I was going to mention that um, VHS 99 is coming to Shudder in October. The uh, I don't know if you've watched any of these, but the Return of the Found Footage Anthology franchise VHS. It's the fifth installment, okay. VHS 99. I like the VH movie, VHS uh, Found Footage movies. Not all of them, of course, but I would say by and large, most of them are a pretty good time. Of course, anthologies, you're going to like some stories better than others, but the Shudder original film will release Thursday, October 20th. So Nice. Yeah, I guess it's a thirsty teenager's home video leads to a series of horrifying revelations. Very good. There it is. I think you had some other news, too. Uh, for those of you who like Rick and Morty, ah. I'm... A little bit excited for this. (laughs) Just a little bit. Little Demon Mm -hmm. from the creators of Rick and Morty. uh, Starts on Hulu August 25th. So by this time uh, that this episode airs, it should should be in the first episode or two, depending on how they're releasing it. Sure. Starring Danny DeVito, Aubrey Plaza, and Lucy DeVito. Mm -hmm. uh, In Little Demon, 13 years after being impregnated by the devil, played by Danny DeVito. Sure, well, of course. (laughs) A reluctant mother, Plaza, and her antichrist daughter, Lucy DeVito, attempt to live an ordinary life in Delaware, but are constantly thwarted by monstrous forces, including Satan, who yearns for custody of his daughter's soul. Um, I love Rick and Morty. I bet this is going to be really absurd, and I am looking forward to this. That's amazing. Yeah. Yay. That'll be fun. Well, you know, the <laughs> next thing we're going to do... Oh, I love this so much. There's a little thing we like to call... 
<laughs> you guys know it's always grunge or opera. <laughs> no. You know, I really going into season five, I got to find a new genre. <laughs> That's just hard. Maybe I do a twang. Horrifax <laughs> with Gail. <laughs> well, we can come up with some new tunes for you, too. I That's mean, there's true. this one. You want to try this one? Hold on. Let's try this one. Horrifax <laughs> with Gail. You always do that. Because it's do so like- subdued. I mean, I like it. I just can't get you crazy go right on with it. the music because I'm try- like trying to listen to it, and it's so slow. It's nice though. It's supposed to be, yeah. I don't know. Number one. <laughs> well, not thoroughly explained in the film adaptation as the book, the phrase "beep beep Richie" is often used as stand-in for a "look out Richie." B, shut up, Richie. <laughs> or C, see you soon, Richie. Got it. Okay. No idea what the fuck you're talking about. It. Number two. What is the purpose of a gargoyle on a building? Mm-hmm. Good one. Number three. Terror has a new home <laughs> is the tagline for this sci-fi original picture, which stars Christy Swanson mm-hmm. as a woman who tries to save locals from a huge sea creature. Nice. Christy Swanson. I know. Number four. This one's for Pepper. What is the number one cause of airplane crashes? <laughs> she hates you. She's going to hate you. <laughs> All right. And number five. The Formula Rasa is the number one roller coaster in the world, located in Dubai and developed to resemble a Ferrari. It launches its riders from zero to how many miles per hour in five seconds? It'll be a guess, but yuck. Well, I mean, if you knew it, that I'd be like, what are you reading? (laughs) Yeah, and I don't think you've been to Dubai to uh, go on a roller coaster. (laughs) And I'm not like a roller coaster nerd person. Okay, relax. We (laughs) might have some people out there who are roller coaster nerd persons. I know. I didn't judge. I just said I'm not a roller coaster nerd person. But I can't wait to find out at the end of the show. That's what we do at the very end of the show. She'll give us the answers. But first, we're going to take a very quick break and come back and talk a little bit more John Wayne Gacy. Be right back. Quoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Hey, 
Hey everybody, we're back. So today I'm going to just take us through Gacy's crimes, more of his crimes. Kathy started a, a little bit with sort of those introductory crimes that he was doing. Uh, and then how, you know, how he got caught and, and what kind of happened from there. So last week, if you haven't listened to last week's show, please go back and listen to it because Kathy tackled a lot of how we got to this place, how we got to the place where he started doing all the yep. things in his childhood and all of the different traumas and things that he suffered in order to create this really profile of someone who would be able to enact all of these things because most of us do not have the psychological climate inside of us to seriously do these things and without thank God for that remorse and my God. Yeah. Can you only imagine? So a little bit of review just in case this is the first time you're listening to it. A little bit of a recap. So John Wayne Gacy is known as the killer clown who tortured, bound, raped, and murdered 33 young boys and men, 26 of which were excavated from the crawl space beneath his house, three more outside of his house, and then four he confessed to dumping in the Des Plaines River close by. There was a point at which he said to police officers something about the number 45. Oh, that's a great number. Da, 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 da. So a lot of police believe that there were actually 45 that he may have killed. Mm. But I kind of, I don't know what I do know from doing these series for the last four years and, and having like a little bit of a lifelong side hobby of reading about different kinds of criminal personalities is that... He would have said that just to simply bait you and plan it and control you with that idea. And he would have known that cops would have wanted to find the rest of the bodies if there were. So I don't know if that was a manipulation thing to seem more exciting and fabulous in his awfulness or if it's genuinely true. We just don't know and we still don't know. I just know that uh, these kinds of personalities like to like to bait you. Okay. And get you worked up about yeah. things that aren't actually real. Right. And that's why, like, we, we never really truly know the number. No, we never yeah. do. And I know, I mean, Bundy, like, almost everybody has tried to elude that there were more. Uh-huh. And I think that's partly a narcissistic sure. bait tactic and may or may not be true. So in 1968, as we know, Gacy was convicted of sodomy and sentenced to 10 years in prison uh, after Donald Voorhees, who was 15, came forward to say that Gacy was forcing him to commit sex on him and I must say for the time period to be 15 and to come forward with that kind of information was incredibly courageous Mm. so Gacy served 18 months of that 10 years because he was a model citizen as we discussed last week but then in 1970 Oh, and as we also know, his, his wife left him during that time but in 1970 he was paroled and began to run his own construction business where he hired young teenage boys. And he also began to perform as Pogo the Clown at parties, uh, he says, for relaxation. (laughs) So that was his, that was his story that, you know, he would. It made him feel relaxed to be a clown. He was relaxed to be in makeup. And he often said that he could, and he stated, there's a documentary where he stated that in his own language, these are recordings of his that, you know, he could be whoever he wanted to be in that outfit and that the young boys 
and children were excited to see him and that he could get away with them sitting on his lap. Oh, God, it's so stereotypical. Yeah, that was his big thing is that when I'm in the clown suit. I don't trust Santa. Yeah, right. And when I'm in the clown suit, the little boys will sit on top of me. They'll hug me. They'll touch me. They'll do all of that. And they nobody thinks anything of it because I'm in the clown suit. They'll take pictures with me. Like he gets to just be maraud around like a normal person, like a normal psychology. So between 70, it's just so crazy how this case rolled out because you can go at it from the perspective like we do a lot of cases where it's like, what were they doing? Why was he not... (laughs) You know, they could have saved all these lives, et cetera. But what you have to understand is that police work has come a long way. They didn't have DNA. Right. So just let's let's remember that as we do a lot of these older serial killers. When we talk about serial killers from back in the day, they did not have DNA. So they were matching bodies and everything with teeth, you know, if they could find the teeth, if right. they didn't find the teeth, they didn't know who <laughs> you were. The <laughs> they didn't know who you were. I got it. All of a sudden, I was country. <clears throat> so between seventy and seventy-eight, there were he was arrested for a ton of shit. So he gets out. He's paroled, working his own construction business, working as a clown, and between seventy and seventy-eight, he keeps getting arrested. So in seventy-one. A teenager accused him of trying to force a sex act on him, and it was dismissed because the teen no-showed for court. In Okay, he also gets remarried. Right. So he's remarried during all of these arrests. Right. So like he's just playing it all over again with some other naive one year, woman. One year after he gets paroled, for a 10-year sentence. Shit show starts all over. He's in court, and the only reason why he doesn't go any farther is because this poor teenager doesn't show for court, which, of course, you know, that's a thing that happens quite a bit. 1971, you're accusing someone of performing a sex act on you? Like, there's a very real possibility you're not going to show up for that. Right. 1975, two boys that worked for Gacy disappear. They just disappear. And no one investigates him at all, even though he has a history of being in jail. I feel like these guys all got away with this For kind of thing. Yeah, it's it's pretty crazy the way this worked. He was actually questioned and arrested twice for the those boys' disappearance, and they never held him any further than that. In 76, a child prostitute went missing in right around his area. They didn't even bring him in for questioning. Or they may have, but he certainly, he was arrested, but let go type of thing. In 77, he was charged for chloroforming, kidnapping, binding, beating, and raping Jeff Rignall. Jesus. Did not go to prison. In 1977, he actually admitted to kidnapping and forced sex acts, but then was let go because he said that the, acts were consen- were consensual and it was 1977 and the cops and our court system were very attached to the idea that anybody who is in has a male on male crime was just really not what they were like if you right. listen to the litany of the things he's done and was right. accused of that's true 
they were very attached to the idea that it wasn't possible, especially a guy who runs his own construction business, is married, has been married before, has kids, blah, blah, blah. Like the cultural norms that were happening right now for this white male who was masquerading as a straight white male, they just, they, I guess they just couldn't connect it. It's the only thing I can come up with. I'm sure there were idiosyncrasies with each case where yeah. like of course for that one the teen no shows in court they're the only witness there's no case without the teen stuff like that i'm sure was happening mm-hmm. but i'm sorry you chloroform kidnap bind beat and rape someone and you're not back in prison after having a, a like a charge before but like this, i don't this is why i think there were so many more serial killers and things just because like now i mean you're pretty much guilty until you're innocent, not innocent until you're guilty. And at that time, it was like they could get away with things for years. I mean, the way that they let Bundy go, even though he looked just like a sketch and had the same damn car, and his ex is like, that's him. And they're like, nah, he's a Republican. He's fine. Yeah. He's a nice guy or whatever. This guy, and Gacy was really well known for being very social. Yeah. Everyone liked him kind of guy. There's the cognitive dissonance, right? It's like, it can't possibly be him. Same with BTK. And he's an extrovert, right? Right. So we, of course, we've talked about a lot of people that were more introverted and more suspicious. I think Bundy was far more introverted, far more socially anxious, was not like a life of the party. Everybody likes him kind of guy at all. Right. So this kind of guy is even more confusing because like with Bundy, everyone kind of was like, well, yeah, he was a little weird. He kept to himself and there was a bad smell coming from his apartment type of thing. But with, with Gacy, it was like, I mean, there are stories of his wife found his second wife, the wife he was married to during all of these things found wallets from young men in her home. That's so creepy. And asked him what, like, what is what, this? What are they? Mm-hmm. And you know, he would always have a reason because he was really good on his feet, really extroverted, really verbally adept. He was a salesperson for Christ's sake. Right. She also later and said, a politician and a politician. <laughs> exactly. And so was Bundy. I mean, come yeah. on, come on. <laughs> she even said that it, she even questioned him one time that the house was smelled like death. I mean, that's never a good thing to say about your own house. No. And so, and so she left. So, <laughs> so there was, hi, this smells like death. I'm going to go. No, I'm We're kidding. Out. I'm kidding. That's the kids really, and I are out. I'm sure that's not really how it rolled out, but that's so not, she left. So she left. She's she started becoming very creeped out by him. She didn't know why. And she probably didn't, you know, he was probably very controlling and she didn't feel like, I mean, I don't know how she felt, but she left which of course gave him a lot of permission to do whatever the fuck he wanted. But so then in 1978, 15 year old Rob Peast went missing. But here's the thing that was different from all these other charges and arrests and different things that were happening is that he went missing after being in the store. He was in a store. He was working in a store and he had his coworker that was working the front and he said, hey, I'm going to go out back. There's a guy out here that has some questions. I'm going to go out and answer him. Mm-hmm. So then witnesses see him go out back and talk to Gacy. Okay. And, and then Rob's missing. So this was 
this was different because there were witnesses right to Gacy at the scene talking to this kid right before he was gone you know and this kid had parents that were amazing or whatever you know like on it had it was his mom's birthday it was rob's mom's birthday and so she was actually coming by to pick him up Mm -hmm. so they knew about him being gone very quickly which isn't normally the case right like these hunters will hunt people without families you know that are out in the party scene or male prostitutes or what have you so that they don't have these kinds of issues coming up where people immediately knew he was gone he had a co-worker that knew five minutes later he had mom that was supposed to come pick him up it's like immediately so that's why the police were one of the many reasons why besides all the other arrests i imagine police were able to get a search warrant immediately search his house the only thing they find on that first search was a receipt proving that rob had been at the store and had been around bundy because but i mean bundy sorry had been around gacy because gacy had the receipt in his hand that had so they knew there was something there but it wasn't enough right the second they get a second search warrant and they find because they put him under surveillance immediately. So then the second search warrant, they find a ring from another one of his victims. So they don't know. They're building a case. But that's all they find. So then, <laughs> still under surveillance. What they didn't know later, what they didn't know at this moment in time, but that later they found out, was that on right after these search warrants were happening... Gacy got Rob's body okay. that was actually in his house at the time. So the cops oh searched the house and didn't find Rob's body. Right, because it wasn't in the house. It was below it. Right. They went to the Displains River and dumped the body. They found out that later. But right after the search warrants, he was able to take Rob's body and dump it in the river. Come back to the house. A third search warrant is solicited and they find the crawl space finally this guy my gosh i mean the amount of shit that he's gotten away with and it took three search warrants to get to it and even the wife had said that the place smelled like death and it takes all this time they find the crawl space and then the media circus ensues of course because Between December 23rd and December 30th of 1978, the cops dig up 29 different bodies from below Gacy's home in the crawl space. Meanwhile, Gacy is at the precinct being questioned. And during that time, he draws a diagram that actually admits to 32 murders and he draws a diagram of the crawl space and all of the bodies. And if you've ever seen this diagram that he literally was like, okay, I'll, I'll show you where they are. And he takes it and he puts a square on the piece of paper and he just makes these like hash marks, like as if that's a body, like a, a slash mark for one, for two, for three. And then he'll say like, there's four in this corner, oh, there's God. three in that corner, there's two in this corner. Oh. The mess that they found. The mess that they found is crazy. 
you've seen these documentaries, obviously, where yeah. they were like the bones were fused together. The bones were fused together. They would get very excited when they would find a jaw because, again, they're dealing with teeth. It took forever. There's still several of the victims that they dug up that they don't know who they are. So on January 8th, Gacy was charged with the murders of seven young men, aggravated kidnapping, deviant sexual assault, and taking indecent liberties with a child to which he pleaded not guilty. So again, they could only convict him with seven because that's the moment, at that moment on January 8th, that's the only ones they had, had identified. Right. On April 23rd, he was indicted for another 26 murders. So of course, the they it took a few weeks for them to sort it all out. And so then they charged him with an additional 26 murders. And a judge later granted a motion that he would be tried for all 33 murders simultaneously. So they weren't going to try him for one at a time. Gacy's trial began on February 6, 1980, where his lawyers aimed to convince the jury that Gacy was not guilty by reason of insanity. While prosecutors argued for the death sentence. It took five weeks. On March 12, 1980, the jury (laughs) took less than two hours to convict Gacy of murdering 33 young men. And the following day he was sentenced to death. So that whole reason, you know, not guilty by reason of insanity is an interesting bit of business that you can watch in several of the documentaries that, that you can see on John Wayne Gacy, including there's one on Netflix right now. There's one on Hulu right now. They're all over the place, but they do talk about, and, and they interview his lawyer, Oh, interesting. Who was a brand new lawyer at the time. Mm -hmm. And they talk about having him and they, and they interview the psychiatrist, the forensic psychiatrist that wrote the report that he felt he was insane. And the way they argued it was this, they said that, Yes, he was able to understand that the things that he did were bad, but that what he would have is psychiatric breaks of psychopathy. Like he would go insane. They tried to argue, you know, he would go insane Mm -hmm. and he would do these things and then he would come back to his right mind and yes, be able to rationally run a business and have a marriage and tell you that things were wrong. Although I can tell you that Gacy never, never ever said he thought any of it was wrong. (laughs) He never, ever felt guilty. He never, ever took responsibility. In fact, in some of the interviews, he tries to deny the whole thing. That's right. Well, and that's what, yeah, that's exactly right. That's what he did from his very first offense is this, this is because they're trying to destroy me. Which we've seen in a lot of these kinds of cases right. where they give you all this information because they can feel in that moment they're getting so high from having all this info that you want from them. They're getting so high that they give it all to you. And then later they're like, oh, well, I really had 45 murders, but I'm not going to give you those. And that's just like, it may have been true. It may not have been true. There were a lot of young men during that time that went missing in those areas. They are are presumed to be Gacy's victims that they don't because he started dumping them and he ran out of crawl space, ladies and gentlemen. So he started dumping them in the river down the road. Mm-hmm. So whoever ended up in the river, we don't really, we don't have accounting for except for the ones he admitted to. So it gets a little messed up from there. Yeah. I mean, clearly he knew what he was doing. Yeah. I mean, that's how we feel. And that's how a jury felt. It took him two hours to go. Nope. Right. 
So all the appeals that were filed in the years that followed were denied, and there were several, and he spent much of his time, he, he spent his time on death row, basically, in Menard Correctional Center. And uh, he was executed by lethal injection at the Stateville Correctional Center on May 10th, 1994, which feels recent. Yeah, even I was though about, it's I was not. about to say, it does. <laughs> even though it's not, even though it's many decades away now, but like when you think of crimes committed in the 70s, you think 1994, what? They reopened the case, is where I'm going to go. Mm-hmm. In 2011, the Cook County Sheriff announced that his office would be renewing the search for the identities of the eight remaining unknown victims in the case. Because what ended up happening, like I said, is that they they only had jaws or the ability to identify a certain amount of the bodies and eight of them were still, they didn't know and they, and they didn't have DNA. Mm -hmm. So in 2011, which again, seems really recent Cook County Sheriff opened it back up. So with new DNA technology, the police exhumed the remains of the ones that they didn't know. In many ways, any boy that was missing from 70 to 78, they really could have assigned that. So they pulled all those charts, of course. And then the the following month, William George Bundy, who was 19 when he disappeared, was matched. So they found another, they were able to identify another body because of the DNA. And then in 2012, Sherry Marino also obtained uh, permission to have her son, Michael Marino's grave exhumed too. And then they identified... um, He, this is really interesting. He had been identified as a Gacy victim in 1980, but she had actually always doubted it. Mm -hmm. And the DNA from the exhumed body was actually not a match. Okay. So she had felt like she had gotten closure with that, but, but no. So this is the important part about Mm -hmm. the DNA that we now have. So... You know, he's interesting because he, when I think back about just like reading about him and about his childhood and about everything that he Mm -hmm. did, he's, I guess, unique in the sense that he was very social and very, and had a business Mm -hmm. and a couple of wives and stuff like that. He was very organized and intentional or deliberate in the things that he did. And we know that for some of the serial killers that we've reviewed on the show, that hasn't been the case, or even if they've had some mean or you know income or whatever it was based on um something that they were doing illegally mm-hmm. you know was stealing from the victim stealing or, or like when you did Iceman, you know he mm-hmm. was just involved oh, yeah, well, in like legal issues different. ramirez mm-hmm. was completely disorganized yeah. bundy never really held a job but said he did i mean gacy actually was more like you know i'm gonna be talking about dennis Rader this fall and it's like again another guy who was able to be very liked by his community and involved and had a family. And I think those are the ones that really scare me the most because it really is like the guy or gal next door, you know, that you are, are is incredibly unassuming. I mean, to be honest with you, I don't think Bundy was unassuming. I think that people were, were just really hooked into his charm and his good looks, but Bundy was flipping weirdo. He was he was very strange. Yeah, he was very strange. And I don't I, think Gacy came off that way. No, I think Gacy had a very well developed persona, a well developed front, and I imagine I can only imagine that that was developed before mm-hmm. fronting for his father when he was a kid. In other words, coming up with a with a way not to get beaten mm-hmm. is is often something that some kids can 
come up with a way to gray rock, right? A way to, a way to pass, so to speak, so that they don't get hit, so that they, that they don't get aggressed upon. And I imagine after all of that trauma that he had sustained in early life and being sexually assaulted, I mean, he's obviously, I mean, maybe not obviously, but he's reenacting all of that on his victims. He's, he, the, the stories that he tells about and the victims, because there are victims who are alive that were victims of Gacy's, that were raped, bound, beaten by him, that are still alive and are in some of these documentaries. So they talk about the way he toyed with them. And there is one gentleman who talks about how he, you know, invited him to the house, asked him to watch a stag film that was often Gacy's, like, way of hitting on someone, on, on hitting on a male, was to pretend it was under the guise of let's watch a pornographic film together. That was like his way of, I think it's his way of saying like, I'm not really gay, but like, let's watch this film together type of thing. And then he would assault them and he would physically hold them down or buy them. And then that's when the violence would start. But this gentleman talks about how, Gacy did that and and like had a knife and stuff and then regressed like oh you know not not just kidding but basically like I wanted to see if I could scare you so this kid goes to sleep in this guy's house because the guy because Gacy says he can't take him anywhere and it's like all right so he goes to bed and he believes him he says I believed the the what he told me that he didn't that he was just doing you know it to scare me or whatever and he really did believe him, goes to bed in the house and then says, wakes up with Gacy at his bedside, holding him down with a knife and is threatening him again and says like, you're going to have sex with me type of thing. So then the kid obviously freaks out, gets really scared, starts crying, starts begging Gacy, etc. Gacy again pulls back. Oh, I just wanted to see if you believe me the first time. I just wanted to like scare you da, da 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 so this time the kid doesn't believe him but he still got away and he says he like shut the door and sat on the bed until mm-hmm. morning because now he knows he's with a predator right and yeah then, i remember that's in the documentary that's awful yeah that that's terrifying so these are the kinds of stories you guys that you can see if you haven't seen a lot of these gacy documentaries that have recently come out there's one where there's a lot of tape of him talking so you can hear it from his his words which is interesting and then there are survivor stories in these recent documentaries and certainly like his lawyer the different case trial lawyers everybody's really a lot of people are really still alive and can talk about this case so but we just wanted to give you an overview and we're going to come back in a few minutes and talk about some some horror films, but I did want to tell you that next week begins our season five. Yay. Very exciting. So we've completed four seasons of this. And if you don't know, our seasons always start at the beginning of September mm-hmm. <laughs> because that's when we Tis started the this season. podcast yeah. because we love the fall and we love Halloween. And that's originally how this whole shenanigan started. So, uh, but we will be kicking off the season with Jim Jones. We are going to talk about Jim Jones and we have a lot of other surprises in store for you with our season five, which you will find out next week. Our, our patrons are, have already found out how we're restructuring the show for season five, because we talk a lot about, you know, behind the scenes stuff with our patrons and all that. So, but anyway, we'll be right back. We're going to talk horror books and movies. We'll be right back. 
Everybody, we're back. We certainly are. Yes, I hope you guys enjoyed the two-part overview of Gacy that we did. We enjoyed reading about it. I mean, enjoyed is a funny word. I mean, he's that he's way more interesting than I thought he was. I guess. <laughs> yeah, there's you, you go. don't give a lot. They don't give a lot of him outside of the damn clown. No, they don't. And so these recent documentaries and such are, are really, you know, bringing him back into the thought process and also just more interesting to us, obviously. Yes. So we watched some stuff. Would you like to begin? I will. Okay. Let's see. Which ones do I want to talk about first? <laughs> she hasn't decided. I watched a movie called, it's a, it's a new release called Watcher from 2022. It's a Sundance so you've probably seen this or at least heard of it, Shannon. I've heard of it. Uh, American psychological thriller. Julia, American uh, American woman by the name of Julia, moves to Bucharest with her husband, Francis, who takes a marketing job there. Francis, whose mother is Romanian, is fluent in the language, but Julia is not. The couple move into an apartment building with a large picture window. Julia immediately notices a man looming in a window from the building across the street. While Francis works long hours, Julia attempts to familiarize herself with the city and begins learning Romanian. However, she is continuously unnerved, unnerved by the man in the window whom she notices watching her on a daily basis. So the movie is filmed from the vantage point of her, of Julia. Mm. So you're kind of going through this journey with her and trying to figure out, is she just going crazy? Yeah. Or is there someone really watching her? Or is she kind of losing her mind because she's an isolated new wife in a foreign country? She cannot speak the language and she's starting to interpret these things. All these really weird, eerie things start to happen. I will say that the guy who plays the watcher, and his name's uh, Bern Gorman, plays a man by the name of Daniel Weber in the film. He's the watcher. He was so frightening his <laughs> performance is so flipping good to me it's the reason to watch it okay um she's good micah monroe plays julia and i like carl i think glusman as or glussman as francis he's i've seen him in other things so it's eerie it's there isn't a ton of dialogue there's dialogue but it's not it's not very wordy a lot no, of it is atmosphere, atmosphere. Sure. a lot of it's atmosphere and so when Bern Gorman's character comes in, you are in the position of wondering yourself well, whether you are going crazy with her. Right, right, or right. Or is he someone to really be concerned about? Ugh. And the movie gets creepier and creepier as it goes along. This theme has been done before, but I think the atmosphere of the film and the language barriers and all this stu stuff, as an American watching the film, you're kind of fluctuating between, am I just being, 
an American and assuming <laughs> things or yeah. is there something really going on? So <laughs> I thought it was a, I, I think it's worth a watch. Yeah. I've heard really good things about it. I haven't seen it yet, but yeah. it's definitely on my list and I've heard really good things. So I'm glad you liked it because I want to see it really bad. So. Yeah. I like it. I, I liked be, it. I'd be sad if it wasn't mm-hmm. any good. So at the end of the month, I've been, for the last couple of months, I've made a point of seeing all of the Shutter exclusive movies that kind of come out. They have like one or two a week that come out. And so I did that again for July. I realize it's the end of August, but now I've seen all the ones from July. You had to give me a minute. <laughs> one, of the, <laughs> one of the ones that I would highlight from that is a movie called Bloody Hell. It's from 2020. It's a horror comedy, 95 minutes long. I mean, if you're in the mood to watch something that's darkly funny and sticks the ending, and it's called Bloody Hell, and the main actor is really great. His name is Ben O'Toole. He hasn't been in a ton of things, but this is definitely his movie. He's in every scene, I imagine, or almost every scene, honestly. So a man with a mysterious past flees the country to escape his own personal hell, only to arrive somewhere much, much worse. It's really good. (laughs) It's very, it's like confidently made, doesn't exactly go in the way that you think it's going to go at all. Mm -hmm. And there's, and if you are coming at it from the fact that, I mean, there's some gory parts and it's kind of sick, but it's done in that way that makes it funny yeah and it's not a laugh out loud like you know tucker and dale type of comedy it's not like that yeah it's more like cabin in the woods kind of comedy okay it's not Mm -hmm. it's not cabin in the woods but it's like got a darkness to it but you can laugh like just allow yourself to laugh excellent that his timing like he's a natural comedian comedian it's it's fast paced like i didn't feel bored or any of that and I thought the performances were really great. I thought the story was really tight. I just really enjoyed it. So th- of the July offerings on Shudder, I would highlight that one for sure. Okay, cool. Yeah. I whew, did not know what I was getting into with this one. And I weirdly enjoyed it, but it, it was <laughs> definitely not the feel-good movie of the year. It was what you were looking for, probably. Uh, well, I mean, I was looking... I, I'm, I'm, I, I like artsy films but some sure. of them don't leave you feeling like you need to go take a shower after true so i watched uh it's a movie called possum came out in 2018 it's that is a- so funny i just added that to my list to watch it okay. i haven't watched it all right L- literally yesterday i was flipping through stuff oh, and i and i added it to my list okay. i'm like that looks sick I i'll be that. It is. And I will be really curious to hear what you think about this film. So it's a British psychological horror film written and directed by Matthew Holness in his feature film debut starring Sean Harris. And I think it's a loon Armstrong. It centers on a disgraced children's puppeteer who returns to his childhood home and is forced to confront the abuse and trauma he suffered there. This is all a mental health film, um, but it is completely dressed in terror horror i mean it is it is incredibly dark um he is addressing his demons the whole time and the puppet is really you know a manifestation of his past and the puppet itself is just disgusting it looks like a spider with his face Um, i saw some pictures 
uh, his perform. Talk about a movie that has nearly zero dialogue. It is all his. Wow. It is really so much of his nonverbal. His performance is fantastic. the The person who plays his, I think it's his stepfather or his uncle, the one that like really abused him. He is just disgraceful. Like you just want to kill him. Oh no! So you're really rooting for this guy, but at the same time, he's just incredibly odd and he's been socially isolated and he's like this just really dark human and I thought that the movie if you watch it for what it is it's I thought it was done really well it's just so heavy oh yeah (laughs) Yeah. okay well that helps me because one of the reasons why I didn't watch it is because I was like that looks very serious it is very slow (laughs) it is a slow burn Mm -hmm. but you do you know you are rooting for him Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I was just thinking like, oh, I remember I looked at it. I looked at the description. I'm like, I feel like I want to watch this. I mean, Sean Harris is awesome in right. pretty much everything he does. But like not right now with my he's, feeling. <laughs> well, he's almost unrecognizable in this oh. role, honestly. Wow. Like, yeah, I, that's what how I felt. Like it, it, when I figured out who it was, I'm like, oh my God, because he really transforms for this role. Oh, it sounds like it. And that's really cool. I mean, d- was it like practical effects and stuff like you like? Um, not so much. I mean, the puppet, there are a couple scenes where the puppet like does some of this weird stuff and you're trying to figure out it's like if it's in his mind, right. but it's more so like a really dark psychological Okay. Tormenting film. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds like that's something you're going to hang out with. You're not going to watch it more than once. (laughs) Okay. Fair. Uh, The other Shudder exclusive from July that I would highlight that people, you know, should watch uh, of the ones that they offered would be this movie called Moloch. M-O-L-O-C-H. Strict horror. 99 minutes long from 2022. Um, Beatrick lives at the edge of a peat bog in the north of the Netherlands. When she and her family are attacked by a random stranger one night, Beatrick sets out to find an explanation. The more she digs, the more she becomes convinced that she's being hunted by something ancient. So it's one of those, everyone. Cool. We've seen that a lot, of course. But I thought it was very creepy, And it's, you know, curses, you know, there's some curses going on and it's very creepy and very atmospheric and I enjoyed it of, of the Shutter originals, like the bloody hell one would probably be my top one for July. Um, It's just a lot of fun and I think most people would like it, but Moloch was good because it was like, it's a folk horror witchy evil secrets passed down for generations it's got that matriarchal situation it's very well acted i thought the story was crafted pretty well and as far as like slow burn is concerned it's it's very low-key it's got a very low-key vibe to it but the atmosphere and it's dreamy and there's this family ancient curse it was pretty good though I would say it's okay. got that otherworldly atmosphere that you like. Uh, one likes when they like that kind of thing. So yeah. awesome. Yeah. I think I saw that one on there too. It may may have made my list. I can't remember. Yeah, it's a vibe, right? Mm-hmm. So you just like your movie, Possum, you kind of going to be in the mood. Y- you most certainly do. <laughs> the other uh, Shutter originals that came out were On the Third Day, uh, Good Madam, 
the Reef Stalked, which is a shark movie, which we watched for Shark Week in our Discord. And then a documentary, This Is Guar. I don't know if you remember the band Guar. Yes, I saw. I haven't watched it yet, but I keep seeing the preview <laughs> for it. And it makes me think of Empire Records when Mark yeah. is sitting there and watching the Guar videos. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. And you will, um, you know, there's like the Beavis and Butthead references in there and all of that, which kind of catapulted them. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it's pretty long. So I split it up into two sections or what have you, but they've got a lot of people from that time period, Weird Al Yankovic and, and different people from that musical time period that sort of talk to you about the influences of Guar. And then they also have like members and past members and people that work with them just talking really about, you know, their story. Um, and for those of you who don't know, it's iconic heavy metal art collective monster band, uh, one of its one of a kind, <laughs> and they're still going from what I know, they've been kept alive for over 30 years. And they were pretty controversial because it's like, sexual and bloody and gory and all kinds of crazy shit and a bunch of like practical outfits you know it's got all these oh they're horrendous it's awful like this gross but we we're looking at it from in hindsight so it's really entertaining (laughs) but that's also a doc that's on there uh the two that i chatted about already would be the two that i would probably recommend we watched the reef stocked as part of our uh I'm sorry I missed that one. Yeah, it was a premiere on Shudder, a Shudder exclusive a horror thriller. Uh, I'm we're gonna do I'm gonna do a mini cast for our patrons of uh, recapping all of the shark movies that we watched and a few that I actually watched on my own because I'm insane. Why do I want to watch garbage shark movies? I don't know, but it's fun. But I want to talk about this one just really quick because it was not so great. 93 minutes, The Reef Stocked, so it's a sequel to The Reef, or not really a sequel, but a a second one, 2022. After her sister's murder, Nick, her younger sister, and two friends seek solace through a Pacific Island kayaking adventure. Hours into the trip, the women are stalked by a shark and must band together, face their fears, and save each other. It's more of a drama. This is horror thriller. Oh, it's a drama. It's more of a drama because it's much more of like a trauma drama where they, they have, there's a lot of trauma. Everybody, you know, they address PTSD right in the beginning. One of the women has it. Of course there is like one or two shark kills, but this isn't one of those movies where it's like 45 teenagers and you get to watch them all get eaten by a shark. This isn't like that. There's like three people, four people and everyone's got trauma and we talk about it. But, the good things is that I would say is they use a lot of shark footage and I've seen some articles online where the director talks about the shooting the sharks and meaning shooting, not actually shooting them. (laughs) Oh my God. Yeah. Right. Capturing the sharks on film and, and how they went about that and everything. There's lots of great shark footage. So if you're a shark nerd, (laughs) there's some really great shark footage in there. Uh, And I think that one of our, one of our patrons blue is a shark nerd. And so she was really excited about that. And then I would say about halfway through a couple of things happen where they kind of got real cheesy with a couple of shots. Like they try to put some CGI in there and wow. I think one of our patrons, I think it was four five two made the joke of like that really jumped the shark. (laughs) Oh God. (laughs) Because that's funny. It did. 
it just took us all out of it. Like we were right there with them. Yeah. With the trauma drama. We knew we were kind of like not in a horror film necessarily. I mean, we were halfway through, so we had hopes. Yeah. But so just know that going in. I thought the young actresses that were in it were really good, but it, it doesn't land at all. I think it just it just it fell apart. That right sucks. in the middle it fell apart. But That's in the too beginning bad. it was pretty good. But anyway, so yeah, there it is. So now Oh Kathy. We need some answers, and I have some guesses. Okay. To your horror facts with Kath. I think I can help you out, Shan. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. Okay. Number one. Well, not thoroughly explained in the film adaptation as the book, the phrase beep, beep, Richie is often used as a stand-in for. Um, did you give me choices or yes, no? Yes, A. Look out, Richie. B, shut up, Richie. Or C, see you soon, Richie. I think it's A. It's actually B, shut up, Richie. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I, I never knew that. See, the the problem with this is that I thought it meant slow down. <laughs> mm. I thought they meant, I thought they said that it meant, like I thought it means like slow down. Mm. So I'm obviously off in a different land. My guess oh. is completely wrong. <laughs> That's Okay. You can make it whatever you want it to be. <laughs> right? Damn it. Who cares what King says? Number two, what is the purpose of a gargoyle on a building? Mm, well, of course, we all think it's to scare away people. Right. But I mean, besides like the protection rumor around it. Right. What is it actually there for? Well, I mean, a million years ago, like when you take tours, uh, of castles in England and stuff, they tell you that it was like for water. Yeah, that's exactly right. So it's to serve the part of a gutter system, which filters the water from the rain and it oh. comes out of the gargoyle's mouth. Yeah, I, never, I, I didn't know if they yeah. were telling me the right thing or not. Yeah, that's correct. <laughs> I, uh, it's kind of a cool thing and they look cool. No, so, I know. I mean, yeah. I'm glad they have a real, I was really glad. I mean, I, decades ago when I went to England, I learned that only because I went to 45,000 castles, but yeah. I, th I was glad to know there was a practical purpose. Yep. Same. Number three, terror has a new home is the tagline for the sci-fi original picture, which stars Christy Swanson as a woman who tries to save locals from a huge sea creature. Yeah, so the only Christy Swanson movie I know is Buffy. So oh, this one's called Swamp Shark. I thought maybe you would have heard of it. <laughs> no. Okay. I mean, I could have watched it and you not probably know the have to, not though the answer to that. Number four. What is the number one cause of airplane crashes? Um, I don't know, but uh, I don't know. Incompetence. From, yeah, it's pi uh, it's pilot error. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> I that was just a guess. Like the pilot's completely incompetent or drunk. So so it, it could be a number of things. Either it's fatigue, it could be incompetence, like not proper training. They have it to could be, they have to work those twenty four hour shifts. Right. Like I don't see that as the pilot's fault necessarily. But that's right. Um, yeah. And then obviously you know following that could be um, uh, weather or mechanics, but it's okay. mostly pilot error. Yeah. Okay. Comforting. Number five. No. <laughs> No, it's not. The Formula Rasa is the number one roller coaster in the world. Located in Dubai and developed to resemble a Ferrari, it launches its riders from zero to how many miles per hour in five seconds? Uh, again, I don't know, but 120? 150. Oh. Can you imagine? No. And I've been on some, I've been to Cedar Point in Ohio, which is, has some of the biggest in the world. 
150 miles per hour, you would have, you'd think you'd have like the worst whiplash. Yeah. And that's crazy. I mean, I wonder how they have them belted in. I would lose my cookies. Oh. Like I go on a regular roller coaster and I don't feel good afterwards. 150. If it's straight, I'm fine. But 150 miles per hour, zero to. And then they're going to keep you at that speed the whole time? I don't know. I just know that that's how it launches. I mean, like I said, like I go on Space Mountain and Disneyland and I feel sick afterwards. So you're also in the dark, which I think might contribute to that. Yeah. The equilibrium is off and stuff. But, but you know, that's crazy to me. Yeah. Super crazy. Only in Dubai. We know likey. Uh, but you guys go on it and tell us. <laughs> yeah, let us know if you go to Dubai for the Formula Rasa. Yeah, there are people who know. chase uh, roller coasters all over the world. That's right. Like if there one of you is out there and you've been on it, I would like to know what that's like personally. But anyway, thank you so much for listening to us for the last four seasons, four years, because our seasons are a year long. And next week, we start season five, which is very exciting for us. And we have a lot of things in store. Our style and what we do has changed a lot over the years and we're just going to keep growing. So we hope you join us on our journey. And this has been an episode of terror talk. The last of season four for my name is Shannon and I'm Kathy sleep safe, everyone.